Alrighty, hello everyone and welcome back to another episode of The Reformed Dissenters. My name is Bruce Johnson. I am joined today by my brother Jacob Johnson. Hello everybody. And this is the show where Reformed Christians, that would be, you know, us two, dissent against popular ideas of culture by asserting a biblical world view. And uh, there, I see. What's that? Switching it up there, I, I see. I did. I switched it up so it'd be less monotonous and people would be like, what's happening? <laughs> um, yeah, hopefully I didn't Trying freak to scare people. anybody out. Yeah, if you were, you know, holding a coffee or something, I hope you didn't drop your mug. Um, but, you know, Dump if you did, if you did, you can yeah. get one of these as a replacement by going to our show website, which is trdshow.net, and buying it from our merch store. How about that? Huh? Was nice that? segue. Yeah? Nice yeah. segue. <laughs> I didn't even plan that one. It just worked. Oh, my goodness. All right. Yeah. <laughs> um, but also, nice segue. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. <laughs> also, send us an email at trdshow at protopmail.com. And uh, we want to hear your thoughts about some of the things we're discussing on the show. And oh, my word, today we have got a doozy of an episode for you lined up. It's uh, we are going to get so many emails. I don't even, yeah, just. Buckle up. I'm talking to you, Jake. Um, <laughs> also, the audience, buckle up. Yes, because today... Yeah, so this is... Just keep in mind, it might be a contentious episode. Oh, So yes. if we say something that, uh, you so know, is like, that uh, you don't like, I, I don't know what Please to don't say. Kill just, us. just know it's coming. It's it's coming. It's coming. You, you've it's been coming. warned. That's basically... Yep. Yeah. Um, but also, you know... You could talk to us about what we're about to talk about. You could talk to us in person, and we would certainly like to meet you in person. We're going to be at a two-day-long conference in Knoxville, Tennessee on October 6th through the 8th, and you can get your tickets to that event by going to flfnetwork.com slash Knoxville 2022 and talk to us about some of the highly contentious things we're going to be talking about today. How was that for another segue? Thank you. Thank you. Wow. I'm getting better wow. at this. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so, yes, today we are reading through Doug Wilson's book, Mother Kirk Essays on Church Life. We read through half of chapter five, which is, if you're following along at home, it's chapter or it's pages 99 through 110. A lot of stuff. We are talking about the two sacraments, baptism and the Lord's Supper, um, in that order. So yes, this will be contentious, and it's going to be fun. All right, but before we get into that, we have to talk about our verse of the week, and it's Wednesday, so Jake, go ahead, step up to the mic, sir. Go for it. All right, so our (laughs) verse this week is Matthew 6, verses 31 through 33, and it says, Do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek all these things, and your heavenly heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God, and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. Uh, And again, that is Matthew 6, verses 31 through 33. And I mean, this is, as I was saying on the Monday episode, um, this harkens back to First uh, Peter, no, Second Peter, there we go, verse 3, uh, which is talking about that God has given all that we need for life and godliness. 
And so we have all we need, right? We cannot, we don't need to be anxious. We don't need to be asking, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? Because God will provide that for us as long as we're doing what he has commanded us to do. Mm. And I, I think another interesting thing here is um, I looked up in the Bible app that I'm using on my phone and it it actually shows that this, when it says, seek first the kingdom, it's hearkening back to, um, I think, verse 10 of this same chapter. So Matthew 6, verse 10, which is talking about the Lord's Prayer and that um, Jesus is saying, um, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. There we go, there we go. Yeah. Thy kingdom come <laughs> on earth as it is in heaven. There we go. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Um, I can't believe I forgot that. Yeah, no worries. Um, uh, but it's saying that, you know, we bring the kingdom of heaven here to earth, mm. right? And it's hearkening back to that. We seek first the kingdom, right? We're doing the work of the kingdom, which is here on earth, of a heavenly um, ask-ness. <laughs> That's not a word. but The heavenly um, variety. Heavenly variety. There we go. That's <laughs> but um, we bring that here to earth and we make that, we do our job in bringing that here to earth. Hmm. Right? And then we think on that first and we yes. go to that first. We do that work first. And we don't need to worry about what we will eat, what we will drink, what we will wear. Yeah. Because God will provide all that we need for life and godliness. Hmm. Yeah. Wow. That's a great... Great breakdown of that. Um, yeah, thanks for bringing that up. And that's really interesting that it linked back to that kingdom. Uh, and that was just a few verses before this one. So that's mm -hmm. that's quite yeah. fascinating that they're that close. So it's like, yeah, well, we're talking about the same thing. That's really yeah. good to, to point out and make note of that. Well, very cool. So let's, uh, we've been delaying this for some time now. So let's just rip the Band-Aid off and get into it. Um, all right, so introduction to the sacraments. This chapter was all about covenant and sacraments. And as a bit of a precursor, I'm not delaying the inevitable. I swear we're going to talk about this at some point today. But as a bit of a precursor to this, okay, because you may ask, well, why the heck are they doing this now? We've avoided this for a year since we started the show. Why are we talking about this now? It's because it's in the book. That's why. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> the book is talking about church reformation and how a church should look if it's a reformed church, if it's following scripture properly. And obviously, the sacraments are a huge part of what the church does. And so we would be remiss if we didn't discuss it. And also, yeah, it's in the chapter. So we were going to discuss it at some point. We knew this day was coming. On page 99, just to start us out, uh, Doug Wilson said, there are only two established sacraments in the Christian church, which are baptism and the Lord's Supper, end quote. Really short quote, but hopefully that establishes there are only two sacraments and that's what they are. Page 99, a little further down, he said, in a sacrament, we have a covenantal union between the sign and the thing signified. The Roman Catholic position destroys the possibility of having a sacrament through identifying the sign with the thing signified. 
The modern evangelical position destroys the definition of a sacrament through divorcing the sign and the thing signified, end quote. So we're going to be getting a lot more into that a little bit later on. But, you know, the Lord's Supper is a great um, illustration of this principle, um, even though there are two sacraments and they both still have, in essence, they have aspects of what I just described, well, what Doug Wilson just described. Um, but the Lord's Supper, it's, it's really obvious because we know the Catholic position on this fairly well, and we know modern evangelicals' position on this pretty well as, in, as well. Um, but you know, what he said here is that the Roman Catholic position is bad because it destroys the possibility of having a sacrament through identifying the sign with the thing signified. So we can identify Christ because we see that bread right there physically on the table. And that's Christ, right? Which it's not. Also, the modern evangelical position destroys the definition of a sacrament through divorcing the sign and the thing uh, uh, signified by saying, it's just a mere memorial. It's nothing more than a memorial. Doug Wilson's going to go on a little bit further and say, well, it is a memorial, but we need to treat it the way that Christ treats this memorial. It's, it's a memorial, but Christ treats memorials differently than just, you know, Memorial Day. We go down and uh, we put flowers on a tombstone for someone who died, right? This is way, way more than just that. Okay, so here we go. We are going to get into the sacrament of baptism. This day has come. Page 101. No, page 100. A little bit of a shorter quote first. So Doug Wilson said, baptism is the doorway of the visible church. The visible mark of a visible saint is water baptism. This is how Jesus told us to make disciples, end quote. So think up until this point, there'd be no real disagreement. Um, I don't know of evangelicals, whether they're Baptist or Presbyterian, who would disagree with this statement that it's the doorway to the visible church, the sign of of a visible saint is water baptism. Um, And it's also how Jesus told us to make disciples. I mean, Matthew 28, we're told to go make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. So that baptism is part of us making disciples of all nations. Um, So now we can start to kind of delve into some of the differences between a lot of the very aggressively held beliefs out there about baptism. Page 101. It's a bit of a longer quote, but I really couldn't figure out a better way to break it down. So I'm just going to go through the whole thing. It's it's really good. But definitely get the book so you can read more about this. We're not going to do this um, complete justice, unfortunately, just because there was so much content. That's why we only took half the chapter. <laughs> um, so we could spend at least a little bit of time on this, but there's so, so much more. Definitely you want to go to Canon Press and buy your copy of this book. It's just phenomenal for walking through all this kind of stuff. But anyways, page 101, Doug Wilson said, in the Baptistic understanding of this, baptism is a profession of a profession. That is, a man has believed in Christ and has consequently made a verbal profession of faith. He then seeks water baptism in order to point to the condition of his regenerate heart, which prompted him to make his verbal confession. Baptism is an arrow pointing in. But in the covenantal paedo-baptist view of baptism, water baptism points away to Christ and not to the internal condition of the one being baptized. This is not because the internal condition is irrelevant. It's, It's very important, but it's just not what baptism primarily signifies, end quote. So that, at the heart of it, is the distinction. Um... 
Some may argue it's a bit of a straw man. I could understand that perspective, but I think it's it's really good to at least consider this from a Baptist perspective. If you're Baptist and you're listening, um, and we don't want to make people mad, and we're very sorry if you are, send us an email. We'd like to still hear from you, um, which is why we don't broach this subject very often. But you know, it's in the chapter. It's in the chapter. That's my defense right now. <laughs> um, but what he's saying here is that uh, if if you are the standard for when you get baptized. Like you have put your faith in Christ. And so then that means that now you make the confession and you take the action and now you're ready for baptism. That points to you. You were the one who had to make that decision. Whereas a traditional, which is the more ancient belief, which is the, we talked about the authority of the ancient church. We talked about um, tradition and why it's important that we hold this. Paedo-baptism is one of uh, the oldest held uh, ways of baptizing. Um, with that form of baptism, we see a pointing out to Christ. This was a, a mark put on a baby who did nothing of their own to merit this, just like it should uh, ring some bells in your head and you should think, oh yeah, kind of like, oh, I don't know, our salvation <laughs> was not from us. It was from Christ. It's the same way with baptism. We're baptized and placed under that covenant, not because of anything we did, but because of God, because of Christ. So page 102, Doug Wilson said, membership in the covenant community is objective. Pastors do not have to try to read hearts, pick up spiritual vibes, or conduct great experiments in telepathy. <laughs> I, just, I love these analogies. If someone is baptized then they have a covenantal obligation to repent and believe and to live accordingly, end quote. Okay, so I'm going to get into a bit of the weeds and talk a little bit more about when Christians overreact. But before I get into that, um, J Jake, is there anything you'd like to add to what I've said so far, setting up the distinctions between the two? Um, no, not really. Uh Unless you want me to talk, start talking about the mode of baptism. Let's get into that. Yes. Two yeah. sections. In two sections. Yeah. We'll get to yeah. that. Cool. Yeah. Okay, awesome. Um, okay, so let's talk a little bit about when Christians overreact. At least that's how Doug Wilson phrased it. Um, don't get mad at me. It's in the book. Okay, on page 102... <laughs> Doug Wilson discussed a phenomenon uh, that's occurring amongst modern Christians, which he, he called and described it as a sort of nominalism, uh, where children are said to be Christians until they turn 16, at which point they gain their independence in a way via a driver's license. In most states, South Dakota, it's not that way. I think it's 15 or 14, but most states, Christians turn 16, they're called Christians, and then Suddenly, they gain their independence. They can now drive and go other places without their parents, and then they end up deserting the faith until they're an adult, or they never return to the faith. He went on to talk about how sincere Christians are just appalled by this nominalism, um, and, and they seek to fix it. They seek to remedy it, which is, it's good. I mean, them, the desire of sincere Christians to fix that from happening is a great desire. They should have that desire. But the way that they do it isn't so great. In the process of, of doing that, trying to fix this, this issue, major issue, they end up overreacting at the expense of strong biblical doctrine. 
So page 103, Doug Wilson said, a baptized individual has the obligation to have his life point the same direction his baptism does to Christ and to his righteousness. The fact is that many refuse to do so, but this does not alter their obligation in the slightest, end quote. Um, page 103, I'll continue. He said, baptized infidels are not quote-unquote, real Christians. And unless they repent, they will all perish. But this is where modern evangelicals must take care. These hypocrites remain under the obligations of the covenant and do so in another, uh, I'm sorry, and so in another sense, they are real Christians, end quote. So that idea of a covenant is really important to understanding this. Um, and we're going to get more into that when we talk about the Lord's Supper. But part of this too is that he gave the illustration of someone who um, has plans to um, commit adultery, um, but for whatever reason, he feels that it's important to get married to this one woman right now, but he plans to betray her and commit adultery after he gets married. He already has plans for it. Does that, if he gets married, does that make him not uh, a husband legally? And in the covenantal sense, no, he's very much a husband of his wife. But because he's now wanting to commit adultery, he's already planned it, he's breaking that vow. It doesn't mean the vow doesn't exist. It means that he's breaking that vow. It's the same thing with baptism here. Just because someone breaks their covenant with Christ after they were baptized doesn't mean they're still not under that same covenant. It just means now it's going to be even worse for them and they need to take that seriously. Um, okay, so part of this is an issue with parents and pastors who don't take this seriously enough. And so why would their children take it seriously if the pastors and the parents don't? Parents need to take their infant's baptism seriously. When you baptize your infant, you need to take that seriously. When you place the sign of the covenant on your infant, which, which you should, that needs to be something you do very seriously, you take that responsibility. That's a responsibility on you as much as it is on your child. Page 104, Doug Wilson says, the Bible teaches that to whom much is given, much is required. Parents who know that the covenant obligations, I'm sorry, who know what the covenant obligations are should tremble at the baptismal font. And parents who do not take the sacrament very seriously should come to realize that they are in reality heaping condemnation upon their children. So it needs to be taken very seriously. All right, all that out of the way, I'm sure our inbox is blowing up and we've got <laughs> comments and uh, yes, well, I'd love to hear them all. Um, but again, don't kill us. It was in the book. Um, Jake, <laughs> let me pass it to you and you can talk about the mode of baptism. We have 10 minutes left and then I want to talk a little bit about the Lord's Supper. We'll be talking a lot more about the Lord's Supper next week. So we're only going to touch on that briefly. This week was all about making people mad. I, I mean, uh, talking about baptism. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> oh, oh, my goodness. Yeah, and I want to preface this with, it was in the book. Um, so we're just I, I don't know if we've book. said that. Have we said that yet? Yeah. Did we mention it yeah. was in the, yeah. in the no, book? No, yeah. Okay. So I can't be held accountable. <laughs> Same. Hey, hey, don't throw me under the bus. <laughs> <laughs> um, but in the book... Uh, on page 104, Doug Wilson says, 
Contrary, contrary to what many assume, the most biblical mode of baptism is not immersion. Oh, that just. Oh boy, I just heard a lot of people get mad right there. <laughs> I'm just, just hearing the clickety clack of a keyboard right now, <laughs> furiously oh, typing into their. Okay, yes. go ahead. <laughs> um, the the second quote again on page 104, but it leads into uh, 105. And this is a longer one. Uh, because he's just he's defending himself, and I I thought it would it would be right to put this in here for him to defend himself. Yeah. But um, he says, confronted with this, the response of many immersionists is that the word baptizo simply means to immerse, and so we do not have to have contextual descriptions. Now, if John the Baptist means John the immersionist, then the point is well taken. The problem is that the claim is simply untrue. Many examples of baptism can be shown in the in the more biblical modes of sprinkling and pouring. Yes, and Again. there's a lot more in that book that actually walk through all of that. So, mm-hmm. you know, before you yell yeah, at us, yeah, and, read through the book. And I, <laughs> we can't list all of that here for copyright reasons, but go through the book and like look up all of those examples. He lists so, so many examples. Um, so before you start formulating your opinion and writing comments and emails and all of that, get a copy of the book. And what, what page was that, Jake? Right. You said that was page 104? So 104 into 105. Cool. Yeah. Um, but I just wanted to give a quick... Oh, hold on. Two quick verses cool that def- that he uses to defend his his point nice and i think it is rightly so that we we give him a little bit of say in this that we let him let him talk so it's not just like oh he's making all these claims without giving any scriptural references yeah no he is he is and i thought i would <laughs> put this in here um but he quotes ezekiel 36 24 through 28 uh which says For I will take you from among the heathen and gather you out of all countries and will bring you into our own land. Then I will sprinkle clean water upon you and ye shall be clean. From all your filthiness and from all your idols will I cleanse you. A new heart also will I give you and a new spirit will I put within you. And I will take away from the stony heart out of your flesh and I will give you a heart. Sorry. Yeah, stony heart out of your flesh, and I will give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you, and cause you to walk in my statutes. And ye shall keep my judgments, and do them. And ye shall dwell in the land that I gave your fathers, and ye shall be my people, and I will be your God. So he's saying, I will sprinkle clean water on you, and that will give you a new, and I will give you a new heart as well. Yes. So with and that, it said sprinkle. Right. Weird. And with that sprinkling comes a new kind of like, in a sense, right? If you if you go through a new heart, sorry, a sprinkling includes a new heart, mm. right? There are they are two like different process, yeah, things, but you know, together it all comes out meaning the same thing. But um, in he also gives Titus three, 
5 through 6, which says, Not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost, which he shed on us abundantly through Jesus our Savior. Um, so, yep, he gives that one. Which, <laughs> that one's not as clear. <laughs> so. Yeah, shed, I think it was the shed on us as opposed to the immersion and yeah yeah there's and there's so much more there like i was saying um you know we we don't want to take away from the sales of this book by having the whole book uh just available for free this way through us so we're not doing that so we're we purposefully leave out a lot of things in the chapters and try to sum them up in uh our understanding of them but there's always so, so much more that's discussed in these chapters than what we are able to cover, especially because it's a short, such a short amount of time. And we want to continue to, you know, have people actually buy the book instead of just just listening to us. Because reading is important and you'll actually remember it better if you read it instead of just hearing it from us. So, um, cool. Jake, thanks for bringing those up. Is there anything else you'd like to add before I, we have five minutes left and then I'll get into the Lord's Supper and then wrap it up. Go ahead, get okay. into the Lord's Supper. All right, cool. Yeah, this one a less less contentious. Yeah, far far less. Yeah, we spent twenty five minutes going through one of the most, uh, yeah, ugly debates right now. All right, so let's talk about the Lord's Supper, which is a celebration feast and a covenant. So on page one hundred six, Doug Wilson said the entire Lord's Supper is a blessing. It is also a Thanksgiving. The Lord's Supper is a celebration, a feast. We are to remember the Lord, and part of what we remember is that he gave thanks for his sacrifice, uh, end quote. So this whole part of this is that the Lord's Supper is twofold. It is a feast of us giving thanks and celebrating. It's a celebration, and it's a covenant. We are renewing our covenant with God, um, and he gets more into that a little bit later. But, you know, there's a really good devotional book that I've been going through, which is called So Come and Welcome to Jesus Christ by Doug Wilson. <laughs> and he actually talks about how the Lord's Supper is not supposed to be a time of what he calls morbid introspection. All of that morbid introspection, because Paul does talk about, you know, you should approach um, in a worthy way and a humble with a humble and contrite heart approach the table in that way. But all of that morbid introspection should be done ahead of time. That should be done. Get that out of the way before you come to the Lord's Supper. This is supposed to be a time of feasting, of thanksgiving, um, of thankfulness, um, and a time of renewing our covenant with God. So page 107, Doug Wilson said, The world we live in is covenantal. And the only choice we have is between sitting at the Lord's, Su Lord's Supper in covenantal obedience or sitting elsewhere in covenantal idolatry. We do not have the option of sitting down at a non-covenantal table. They, they don't exist, end quote. That, to me, was fascinating. The idea of you're either, that there's no way for you to escape the covenant. The world is covenantal. That, the world we live in is covenantal, as Doug Wilson says here. So you're either in idolatry, or you are renewing and entering into your covenant with, with God. Um, page 108, Doug Wilson said, the Lord's Supper 
is a means of blessing. It is very clearly a means of grace. Paul identifies the cup as a cup of blessing. This means that when a believer comes to the Lord's Supper and partakes of it in a worthy manner, he is blessed by God in the coming, end quote. There's so many other things that he talks about when describing the Lord's Supper, especially on page 108 and 107. Those are really great pages to look at. He lists a whole lot of different things. You know, it's a it's a blessing. It's covenantal. It's a cup of thanksgiving. You know, all of these different things. We just don't have time to get to them today. So definitely check out those two pages in your copy of the book. By the way, if you don't have a copy already, go to our Gab page or go to Canon Press. Um, I don't know if it's canonpress.com or, or what it is, but look up the two words, Canon Press, or I think you can make it one word. Canon Press is one word. Or probably if you just Google Mother Kirk by Doug, Douglas Wilson, it'll come up and probably a link to his site as well. But definitely get a copy of this book. It's, it's just great to have on your shelf. <clears throat> Page 109, sort of wrapping up our conversation here today. He said, there is no magic in the supper. No mystical substance flows to the believer through the elements. Paul warns the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians 10.14 to avoid idolatry. One of the ways this warning has been neglected in the history of the church has been through the sin of looking at the bread and wine as though they contain the blessing. End quote. Mm-hmm. And then finally, wrap up quote. I know I'm going pretty fast. We have one minute left. So <laughs> love to get more into that, but we don't have time. Final quote to wrap things up today on page 109. He said, how did Christ think of his death? And this actually kind of goes back to what we said at the beginning when I was talking about um, covenant and, you know, how the, the modern evangelicals like to divorce the sign and the thing signified. That's what Doug Wilson said earlier. But his response to that was, well, how did Christ think about this memorial, this sacrament? How did Christ think of his death? If this is meant to be a memorial to his death, which it is, how do we do that correctly? He said, how did Christ think of his death? After the same manner also, he took the cup when he had supped, saying, this cup is the New Testament in my blood. Do ye as often as ye drink it in remembrance of me. 1 Corinthians eleven twenty-five. When Christ laid down his life, he did so in order to establish the new covenant with his people, end quote. So this passage, 1 Corinthians 11.25 says, um, I think Doug Wilson uses the King James Version. So it says the New Testament in my blood. This cup is the New Testament in my blood. I think the ESV actually flat out says this is the new covenant in my blood. Um, So it literally uses that word covenant. So that was all fascinating, and I wish we had time to dig into more of that, but we don't. So get the book and dig into it yourself. Uh, And as a reminder, you know, this week we read through uh, pages 99 through 110. So check out those pages. And we're going to be going from 110 to the rest of the chapter uh, next week. So stay tuned for that. Jake, anything you'd like to add? We're a minute over, but if you had something to add, that would be perfectly fine. No. Okay. Don't, uh, don't hate on us. <laughs> right. Again, uh, it, it was in the book. Okay. The book. So yeah, <laughs> yeah, it was great. Thanks we're for not break. saying when we're not saying attack Doug Wilson. either. Right. No, we're not saying that. Yeah. We're just saying we didn't do this just to stir up. Um, right, yeah. right, right. Yeah. Strife. We did it because it was next in the book. I mean, what's, uh, that form of preaching where you're going through and you're doing, um, I was just talking about this uh, yesterday and I had this word right on the tip of my tongue. 
but you're going verse by verse and book by book. And so you just cover whatever is in the verse that week. Um, and I can't believe I'm not I'm blanking on the word right now. Of course, the moment I actually need to say this on right, a right. recording is when I can't, of course. Um, so anyways, but that form of preaching is kind of, it's like, well, it's kind of, we're going through this book and that's what came up. So that's what we got. All right. Well, uh, thank you everyone so, so much for listening to us today. We really appreciate that. trdshow.net is the show website. Definitely check that out. Send us an email at trdshow at protonmail.com. I'm sure you all have many things to say to us. <laughs> you can also send us a message from our show website, trdshow.net, all the way to the bottom of the page on the homepage. There's a form to fill out. So fill it out. Send us some messages. Sign up for our news newsletter, trdshow.net slash newsletter. Sign up for... The conference, we're going to be at a conference live. Um, we will have a table for our podcast, which will be really cool. Um, and that's in Knoxville, Tennessee on October 6th through the 8th. You can go to flfnetwork.com slash Knoxville 2022. Jake's over there. Really excited. Super excited. Yep. Yep. Woo. Um, so yeah, definitely you'll want to check that conference out. A lot of great speakers, including Doug Wilson. Uh, funny enough. And also, we would love to meet you in person and talk to you if you've been listening to the show for a while. And um, we'd love to hear your thoughts on show structure and what we've been talking about, all that kind of stuff. Thanks again so much for listening. And we will see you on our Friday episode. You don't want to miss this. It's part two of our brand new discussion series. We're talking about community versus socialism. See you on Friday. And remember, everyone, in all that you do, do it as unto the Lord. Thank you.